Welcome to the RSM Podcast, Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about Rock Solid Ministries, our free revival service, printed materials, and devotionals, or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. My guest today is Kate Bailey. Now, Kate, I've known your grandparents, Gary and Patty Boswell, for almost 30 years since we ministered in churches close to one another in West Tennessee. I've known your parents, John and Christy, since before they were married. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, wow, but, yeah. Uh, just barely, just barely knew John before, he's mar- before he got married, but uh, all of whom are rock-solid servants of Jesus Christ. So I, I know that you are too, and having t- spoken with you, I know that's the case. And if I remember correctly, I met you at the 2019 International Conference on Missions. Would that be right? I remember that. Yeah. 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 You looked up our booth and we had a great visit there and you told us what you were getting ready to do. And and uh, so now we reconnected here. And uh, though I normally, our listeners know, I normally don't put out new interviews in January and November and December. I'm doing this because there's some urgency in what you're going to do. But before we get to all that, uh, I'd just like you to tell us your story. So, Kate, tell okay. us your story. Yeah, sounds good, man. Uh so thank you, Tom. I uh, I grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana, um, as a son of a youth minister and grandson of uh, our preacher. So, yeah, my uh, my grandpa was the preacher at our church, and then my dad was was my youth minister. And so, um, it was a great childhood. Honestly, uh, most of the time, whenever I wasn't in school, I was at the church, running around playing tag with my siblings or something. Uh, running through the pews, crawling through them and stuff, and so. So how many uh, si- how many siblings do you have? Uh, I have two. I have an older sister and then an older brother who's the oldest. So and, you're you're the youngest. Yeah, I am. Oh yes, wow! Sir. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I hope I didn't give that away uh, by the way I act, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> you sure didn't. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, uh, I remember whenever I was six years old. Uh, I was at church camp with my dad while he's the he was the dean down there um, running all the church camp activities and stuff. Uh, it was at the high school week, and actually, uh, at some point, I just like told my parents I wanted to be baptized, um, and they were like, they were like, what? <laughs> like, because they didn't prompt it at all. I just I just really wanted to because uh, I'd been told all my life, you know, who Jesus was and that he. Uh, you know, came and died to save me from my sins. And I was like, well, you know, I, w- I want to accept him as my as my Lord. So at six years old, apparently I had a whole conversation with them. They were questioning me about uh, why I was doing this. And apparently I knew why. Um, and so uh, my dad baptized me in a in a really cold uh, pool down in down in uh, Cheneyville, Louisiana. Um, oh. And so that's kind of where I, I started my my journey. Uh, following Jesus. So it, it must have stuck. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've heard someone recently say about a young baptism that, that uh, was posted on the internet. Well, that's just too young. And, and my answer to that is it depends on where you're coming from. You know, in yeah. your case, and like my my oldest daughter who works for us was mm-hmm. just uh, almost seven, I think, when we baptized her. But she was seeing baptisms every week at our church yeah. and new church work and, and, uh, it stuck others. It would probably be way too young, but, yeah. but, yeah. uh, that's great at high school camp, a six year old got baptized. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I know my whole life I, I grew up, my, my parents and my grandparents were adamant about being Christ centered in everything they did. So anytime I came home, and had some questions to talk about, you know, they always pointed me to Jesus as kind of my answer for, for a lot of things I was either struggling with, like if it was being bullied or, or something like that, you know, so even in the home, not just as they were working at the church, they were making sure to be Christ centered. And, and that was, you know, the big thing for, I think me and all my siblings uh, growing up is, is seeing our father, you know, 
just obeying Jesus and then our, our mother also obeying Jesus and then um, always talking about it in the home. And then our grandparents, too, lived close by, you know, everything we did. Right. So, yeah. And then um, so at some point, uh, you know, I, I was a drummer. Um, I, I started playing drums whenever I was like four years old. Um, and then, yeah. So, and then from then on, I kept playing. And then, um, whenever I was 11 years old, uh, my mom told me she wanted me to start serving in the church as, as a, as a drummer. Um, and so Mm -hmm. I would play in the worship services, um, and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, my mom just was always like, use your gifts, you know, to serve the Lord. And so I started doing that early on. And then, uh, I did music stuff in, in school. So I was the, I was the percussionist and in band. And then I did marching band and stuff like that. At some point, um, I felt a call to go into ministry in middle school, but then I also was like, I also want to be a a music teacher. Right. right? And so my dream, in life was to be like a like a preacher slash music teacher. We need all a, the- well. We we need we need preachers who are tent makers. We should yeah, yeah yeah. So yeah, I I had that um that thought in mind all my life, and then uh, I kind of got up to um, high school. Uh, through high school, I, I started wrestling a lot with um, apologetics and stuff like that because. Um, they were teaching in school all the time, you know, the evolution, um, right. belief. Yeah. There, there's not a creator, but it all started with a big bang, you know, and explaining how old the earth was. And I was like, no, I, I think that, uh, you know, the earth isn't that old and, and whatnot. But, uh, so that was like a, a big thing for me that I was wrestling with in high school, um, in, in sharing my faith as well. I was, I was wrestling with how to, how to share my faith, um, with people, which I had, I had, uh, tried to do that a lot in my life. You know, that was stressed to me. Like you're supposed to be a witness and and share gospel. Yeah. And so, um, as I was doing that in, in high school, I was coming across people that were trying to, to tell me that, you know, God wasn't real for these reasons, these reasons. And we have proof like against the existence of God. And, um, I think high school was a, a, a really rough part for me. Um, just cause I was like, how do I, how do I answer these people? How do I, how do I talk to them and be Christ-like in everything I say and also be smart about it? <laughs> right. You, know? you, you don't want to sound like you're just a, a Bible thumper. You want to sound like I'm coming from an, an intelligent. Now we know from coming from the Bible is an intelligent direction. Yeah. But, but other people would say, well, you're just a Bible thumper and that's not intelligent. Yeah. So you want to yeah. you want to approach them with biblical truths, but in a way that they say, now, this guy has something yeah. to say to me. Yeah. Well, I know at some point I started like looking into Ken Ham, you know, the yeah. Yeah. answers from Genesis and stuff like that. And um, I got really into that and uh, I would start going up to those guys and. I would, I would be telling them all these things that I had learned, you know, but then at some point too, <laughs> I feel like I just started making argument just to make argument, uh, uh, just cause I'm smart now. Yeah. And, um, uh, as I was doing that, um, actually, uh, my dad, um, moved up to be the head preacher. Um, right. right. And we had another guy come in to be a youth minister there and he kind of became a mentor to me during that time, uh, and kind of explained to me just like how to witness in love and not just for the sake of argument and things like that. And so kind of ridding me of my pride. He was also, um, the guy that came from a church plant, um, and stuff like that. And, uh, so he, he stressed to me also the importance of church, um, throughout all that and, and inviting people to church, uh, you know, making sure that whenever they get connected to the gospel, they get connected to church as well. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, something I, I wrestled with, with a lot of my friends, um, was, was getting them into church and helping them to see the need for the church. Right. Um, and during that time, I, I, I was like, how do I, how do I explain to them 
why they should go to church and stuff like that. And, and I, it, I came. Can I ask, was it difficult because they looked at you as, well, you're, you're a preacher's kid. Yeah. And, and that's why, and that's yeah. the only reason you're just trying to build up your daddy's church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that was honestly part of it. Um, they, they saw me as a, a goody two shoes sometimes. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I was hard for them to hang out with, especially whenever they wanted to, you know, I guess go party and stuff too. Right. Um, I just, I didn't want to be a part of that, you know, and they thought it was, you know, cause I'm a preacher's kid and I'm just a goody two shoes, but it's like, no, it's like, I personally, from my relationship with Jesus, I know that wouldn't be good for me, you know? Right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I ended up, um, going to Ozark Christian college though, at some point, because I wanted to be uh, a minister. And, uh, I also was looking into music. And, um, so while I was at a camp, I, uh, I was, uh, I got interested in a girl. Um, she told me she was going to go to Ozark Christian college. So I decided I was going to go to Ozark Christian that, college. That happens to a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, so I, I convinced all of my friends to go with me. Um, so one of my friend actually, one of my friends wanted to go into ministry. So I convinced him to go to Ozark with me. Uh, and then the other two didn't know what they were doing with their lives. And so I said, Hey, you should go to college with me. And so they did. And so we all ended up there and it, it was a blast. Um, Ozark had a huge impact on me, um, and kind of growing me in my, my knowledge of the Bible. I learned right. so much so fast, you know, and, uh, grew a lot more confident in my faith. Um, I, I grew a lot in, in just my, my desire to share the gospel and, uh, how to do that in a wise and humble way. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, the reason I, another reason I wanted to go to college, um, to, to learn the Bible was cause that apologetic thing I was talking about. Right. Um, I did not know, how to express to people, you know, my faith in Jesus as well as I wanted to. Um, and I wanted to figure out how to do that well. And so that was kind of a big part of, of going to Bible college was cause I just didn't feel like I was equipped enough, you know, um, to, to really do that. Um, but when I got there, um, I, I ended up getting distracted, <laughs> you know, with, uh, the girl and then i got distracted with just being in this like ozark bubble right have you ever heard yeah i've heard yeah. The, i've heard of the ozark bubble or or the johnson bubble or wherever you might yeah. be yeah yeah i'm only hanging out with christians like 24 7 and mm -hmm. uh, i ended up getting an assignment at some point asking me like how many non-christians have you interacted with in like the past year or something like that and i was like uh none <laughs> wow you know and i was like man that's not good for the you know sake of sharing the gospel <laughs> yeah i mean i could talk gospel all day to somebody that i know wants to hear it but you know i wasn't around anybody that just didn't know or didn't want to hear it you know right. and so i i realized i had completely escaped that kind of environment because public school it's easy to find people that don't like jesus they'll come right. up to you and say what you believe is stupid, you know, right. it's like, uh, okay, <laughs> you know, but at Ozark, I, I didn't experience that at all. But, um, um, and then I didn't really do anything about it at that point. Um, I waited a couple more years. I was, I, I went in as a church planning degree, um, really got into to church planning and the need for more churches. Yes. Um, yeah. And, um, as, as, as I was there studying that, um, I, I ended up going to a church planning convention. Uh, it was exponential. Have you ever yes, heard of that? I sure have. Yes. I got to go there in Florida. I read uh, center church by Tim Keller, um, to learn a little bit more about church planning. And then I had an assignment to interview a bunch of church planters while I was uh -huh. there. And, uh, I ended up talking to a guy from orchard group. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I was kind of expressing him with him, like my desire to, to church plant. And so that more people could hear the gospel and stuff. And he was like, okay, well, uh, tell me how many like non-Christians do you talk to on a regular basis now? And I was like, oh my goodness. You know, like, same, same old question. <laughs> yeah. 
And and so that thing kept being stressed to me. It's like if you're not doing it now, what makes you think you could do it later? You know, like Good if you're point. not. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's like I had this ideal that I was supposed to do it later, but I should be being obedient to Jesus and, and making disciples now, you know? And so, um, me and my friend who had both gone to that kind of talked to him about it. Um, we decided we were going to figure out how to, how to get out of the Ozark bubble and kind of share the gospel. We ended up doing this basketball, um, like Bible study stuff, uh, at a, at a basketball court in town at Cunningham. And so, that was a lot of fun, but it was definitely different for us just going and, and sharing the gospel with people that just weren't in church at all um, and stuff like that. And, and uh, so that was a really good experience for me. And then uh, as I was as I was doing that, I started thinking about just where are the most people that don't know Jesus, you know, um, and so I ended up looking into overseas internships. I got to the point at Ozark where I needed to do an internship. So I ended up going to Turkey. <laughs> wow. For yeah, which um, they're less than 5% Christian there. Um, and so mm-hmm. I got to go there with some friends and um, just learn what it was uh, to live overseas and uh, learn how to live there. A lot of what I did was play basketball, actually. And that's yeah. how I that's how I met a lot of uh, Turkish guys over there. And we had a lot of conversations with some guys, had some Bible studies, um, invited them to church, gave them Bibles. Um, nothing came of it. Um, at least I don't I don't know, you know, now. Yeah. You, some of that you won't know till till, yeah. till eternity. You may, yeah. One of them may walk up to you and say, hey, remember that ball game? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that'd be crazy. But uh, yeah, I mean, that that taught me a lot about what it was to, you know, um, live over overseas where it wasn't necessarily, I wasn't always in my comfort zone. You know, I, I, I wasn't always going to be affirmed by following Jesus, you know, um, at least by everybody, by the culture around me. And so that was a, a big lesson for me. It's like, am I really, am I really all in for this? And, and, how important is it for all these people to know Jesus, you know? And so, um, as I spent time there, I, I learned from actually a Turkish guy, um, who was always sharing the gospel, just like his testimony, um, just how Jesus had changed him and how he shared his faith with people by just sharing the heart. Like, how did Jesus give me purpose and and how did Jesus you know, yeah, he changed my life around completely, you know, and he's done that for all of us, um, giving us something that, you know, no other religion can offer, you know, and yeah, grace that no other religion can offer. Because, uh, yeah, salvation for all other religions comes by works, you know, right. but ours by, by faith. Right. It, Jesus. So, and that was, you know, I, I knew that all my life, but um, I don't know, just for some reason, during that time, it just made so much more sense to me, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So you were there, you were really soaking it in and, and uh, seeing the differences of, of living in a culture, even though America now, I think the figures are that we are over 50% non claiming not to be Christians now, just barely. Yeah. Uh, but still we have, we are in a nation where there, there are so much, there has been so much godliness and God has been a part of so much. We have the blessings of all of that. But then you go mm-hmm. into another nation where uh, it's 99% non-Christian and there's yeah. not been the godly blessings of, of what we've enjoyed for uh, 200 years here, uh, which yeah. we see passing away a lot of it now. But yeah. but uh, you had an experience of seeing what it's like um, where you don't have neighbors that you might consider, well, these are probably Christians or they know something about Christianity or they're positive toward it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. So what did that do to you when you came? Now, when, when did you go to Turkey? What, what year was that? So that was the end of my junior year. So that okay. would have been, uh, 2021. Okay. Leave. Yeah. So, so 20, 
2022 summer, I think. Yeah. How did that, you, you said how it impacted you personally. Uh, how yeah. did it impact your view of ministry and what you want to do as a, a preacher? Yeah. Or church, um, or church planter. So I, I kind of gave up on my, uh, my dream of being a, a musician, like professional music teacher, stuff like that. And, um, I also at some point wanted to be a librarian and then I gave that up because, um, what I saw was, um, just, yeah, the pressing need for more churches in the world, uh, disciples making disciples, you know, so that the gospel could spread. Um, what I, what I saw over there was, um, why, why the church community is so important. Um, you know, cause there you have the, the affirmation of, of people and, uh, people that will call you to deeper obedience in Jesus, you right. know, that's how you're going to have sustained, you know, that's how you're going to sustain the gospel. And that's how you're going to, uh, continue to multiply as well. Right. Uh, yeah. And so, um, we did, we did house churches whenever we were over there. Um, so the simple model of, of churches and, um, that was a really, uh, enriching experience over there, you know, but, um, um, it was really hard to, to really make that, uh, I guess happen all the time. Right. But, uh, yeah. but, um, I got back to the States, right. With that experience in mind, um, kind of shared it with, uh, my friend who's Japanese. Right. And right. he kind of <laughs> explained to me his, the need that was in Japan, um, kind of explained to me that, like he, he grew up with no Christian friends, grew up with, with nobody around him, um, to share the Bible with or anything like that. Right. And at around 21 years old, he finally like heard about Jesus, um, from some college professor that was teaching him English. And, ah, yeah. Yeah. And as, as that happened, he ended up looking it up and finding a church and ended up going there and uh, getting baptized, you know, and following Jesus and found found a, found a God that he had never known before. Um, but uh, it was because that church existed there, you know, that he had access to the gospel. Um, but, um, yeah. Repeat your question again, because I want to make sure I'm answering it right. Well, no, where, where did it lead you from uh, after being in Turkey, you got back, and how yep. did that, uh, how, how did that, shape your view of what you wanted to do as a yeah. church planter? Cause you went in with the idea you wanted to plant churches. Yeah. Uh, I understand yeah. that. But, but that was, you're probably thinking in the U S in the United yeah. States when you first went to college. Okay. And, and I might say after, after this discussion, uh, you make some calls from people in the U S saying, well, wait a minute, don't go there. We need you here. <laughs> so, okay, and we do, but, uh, I, let me share an experience with me, and this has been uh, uh, well over 40 years, maybe 45 years ago. Um, I had a friend, we had a lot of international students at the college I attended. I did not attend a Bible college, uh, and long story behind that why I didn't. But uh, I was already preaching when I was 18 and attending a, a, a liberal arts college. And they had a lot of students from around the world that attended this small school, and one friend I made was, and who actually attended my wedding was, was a fellow we called Tori. His name was Shinisuro Torakaya from Japan. And I had a great conversation with him one night and with, with tears running down his face, he said, I wish I had what you have. I wish I had the hope because he said, uh, he was, uh, uh, Shintoism, I believe, is what his religion was. But he, uh, I believe that was the one. And he said that when they die, they believe they're put on a desert island by themselves when they die. And he said, I have no hope. And I was explained to me he could have hope when we got busted in on from some, from a, a guy who didn't see any need, thinking everybody was going to go to heaven. And that, that killed that conversation. And I was never, ever able to get him back to that point again. I've never forgotten... Uh, the 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 just his face and the look on his face, saying uh, so sincerely, I want what you have, and I never could get back to him to that point again. And so, you 
talking about Japan makes me brought all that back. Brought all yeah. that back. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and your friend and your friend from there. So yeah. uh something started clicking with you about Japan? Yeah. Um so I think whenever I was looking at church planning originally, I was looking at Louisiana. My brother had been idealizing, you know, dreaming about how we were going to start so many churches in Louisiana. You and there's a great need there. There is. And I, yeah, he's down there and he's wanting to do that still. Um, but as I was looking into, into needs, um, I just like everybody in America, basically, you know, I'm not going to say a hundred percent. Um, but just about everybody knows the name Jesus, right? Right. You know, it as a, as a curse word or they use it as, you know, praising him. Right. Uh, just about everybody knows it. But the fact that it's like I, f- I saw a statistic that 95% of people in Japan have never even heard the gospel, you know, or will never hear it. They'll live and die without ever hearing it. And so um, I was like, that's a, that's a huge need, you know. And, it sure um, is. So Junpei, uh, well, my friend had uh, told me about just everything um, that he experienced in Japan, just how there was no nobody really that was Christian there um, that he knew until until 21 years old, finding a church. Um, but my, I had a professor who had started this Mustard Seed Network ministry, um, and he told me about it, and he suggested that I look into it. So I ended up taking a trip there. Um, I went in March this, this past March. Um, and I, I got to go around in Tokyo, um, and, uh, walked around there and they were like, okay, so we want you to count a thousand faces. And this is in like one of the second busiest places in the world. 2 million people walk through here a day. Right. And I was walking around there counting a thousand faces. I came back and they were like, okay, so out of those a thousand, less than 10 of those you know, or Christian. So, wow. yeah. Um, and that was in a city of 30 million people. <laughs> oh, right. And so looking at those numbers, um, you know, Japan is so urban. It's, it's super dense populations. And right. in so, like some of the greatest public transportations of all time. And so there's such a, great possibility for the gospel to spread there, you know, just because there's so many people in one area and it's international. So it could spread country to country easy, easily in Japan. Um, yet they are less than 1% Christian, you know, and, and, uh, as I was looking into it more, I, I was looking at mustard seed statistics that they, they share. Um, there's only one church for every 16,700 people in Japan. Right. And, and the U S statistic would be one church for every 800 people. Oh, and see, I live in Mississippi, which is the most church state in the union. So it's even higher here. Yeah. In the state of Mississippi. Yeah. 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 I know. I, yeah, I grew up in Louisiana, so I saw a church on just about every corner most of the time. But not that they were active or anything, you know, some of them dying. (laughs) Right. But Yeah. Um, so when you were in, when you were in Japan, did you see any church buildings or is is it mostly, uh, house churches, uh, that type of gathering or, or, or are there some, what we would call traditional church building, maybe not like we would look at, but yeah. So mustard seed has actually started seven churches, um, now since 2007, they've planted seven churches in, um, seven different cities. I got to visit the Tokyo church, the, uh, Kyoto church and the Osaka church. And yeah, they all rent space. Um, whether they share it with a, a business group or whatnot. Um, but they rent like high rise spaces in some of the most, um, like like next to really busy train stations so that they can have that access to those people. Right. Very dense um, population. Yeah. yeah. So I say it's traditional looking in, in how they run a worship service. Um, you know, they have uh, Japanese and English at the same time too. Okay. Um, 
doing. But so um, does the preacher work with an interpreter? Uh, say yeah. he's preaching in, in Japanese, he's got an English interpreter, or vi- and vice versa. Yeah, it's just that. Yeah, okay, just like so. Yeah, whether they're preaching in Japanese that day or English that day, you know, they have an interpreter for for everything. And also, whenever they sing songs, they'll sing it like a verse in English and a verse in Japanese, and then a chorus in English and a chorus in Japanese. And they have it all printed out, so I can like read along in in Japanese too. It's pretty cool. So, um, you're we never got to the point of saying that this is what you plan to do. Is that right? Yeah, I was I was gonna get there. Yes, right. so I do plan on doing that. That is what I've decided. I um, started an interview process with them uh, as soon as I got back from that trip, <laughs> yeah. and kind of kind of was really. Um, moved by what I saw there, just millions of people in one place that don't know Jesus. And, um, the fact that we could go there and plant gospel centered churches, you know, right. in, in, in urban Japan. Right. And so that's the mission of mustard seed. And I bought on is, is to glorify God by making disciples through planting gospel centered churches in urban Japan, you know, and it's like that fits with the Great Commission and and everything we've been called to. And um, so, I yeah, I decided to to sign on with them, and I I've been fundraising since I graduated college. Well, and um, I want to get the fundraising in a minute, but let me I want to go back and ask when when you go, will you be maybe not at the beginning, but will, is it eventually what you will be doing? You will be going into a city yourself as a church planting evangelist. Yes, sir. Yeah. So you'll is. be you'll be actually preaching, uh, and and establishing Bible studies in urban areas and and getting some and and then going in, eventually uh, Sunday services type things and all yeah. right. Um, and you'll be working with an interpreter, I guess. Uh, so actually, what I'm gonna be doing is the first eighteen months. I get there. I will be working with the mustard seed churches. Right. Um, right. Makes sense. So we're wanting to plant 12 churches in 12 cities. That's kind of our campaign right now. But the ministry preparation people that are, that are me, the new people, we go and learn language. Right. So all in uh, 18 months of language school. So 30 hours a week learning Japanese. Uh, that's the first thing I'll be doing okay. while I'm there serving in whatever capacity I can. And then after my language learning phase, I'm placed in a church to do ministry and uh, kind of this training mentorship phase um, will kind of start. And then after that, I'll be sent out um, to do church planting, to plant another church, probably join a team. And, and that's what we'll do. And so that's kind of the the mustard seed model for how they're equipping new church planters uh Japan. That sounds that sounds wonderful. I know that the two best ways to evangelize have been for a number of years unless it's changed I don't think it has is yeah. church planting and uh, college/university ministries. Those are the yeah. two that will reach the most unchurched people and mm-hmm. having done new church work a good bit yep. of my, uh, when I was in located ministry, uh, <laughs> I realized that's, like I said, my well, was in new church work when my oldest daughter was baptized because she was seeing baptisms just constantly in new mm-hmm. church work. And and uh, in more in mature churches, we, we grew as well, but it was a different type of growth and it, yep. it did not have that freshness of a new church plant. And especially in a place where you've got where this is going to be something new that people who don't know anything about Jesus will be mm-hmm. checking it out. I, uh, we hold revivals at a church called uh, the church at Las Vegas. And mm-hmm. it, it's not a large church. It's a few, um, uh, a mile or so, not even quite a mile off the main strip. And during the revival services, when we go there often uh, if, it's usually in January, February, but it's warm enough. The doors will leave the doors open, and there's people always walking by. And I think of one time, particularly right now, that uh, a Japanese couple walked in. They wanted huh. to see what this was, and they came yeah. in, and we had an opportunity to to visit with them about Jesus. And the preacher says oh. that happens all the time. That wow. uh, people because they were just curious. They said, 
All right, we're, here we are in Las Vegas. We're checking everything out, and here's something to check out. And there was a big sign, welcome, so they just walked in. And, and uh, that was an, an amazing experience, something that yeah. you don't see in, in rural America very often. You used to, but yeah. you don't anymore. And I, I, I'm excited for you, uh, the possibilities that you have. Uh, I, I think it's just it's tremendous. And I know when you talk about interpreter, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, preaching with an interpreter, which I have done, mm-hmm. always with Spanish interpreters. But, boy, you got to really know what you're talking about when you do that because you oh, know, yeah. one thing does not translate. If, if I say woo-hoo, you know, they don't have it. There's no, no, no words you can translate in, in, into Spanish for woo-hoo. You just got to say woo-hoo. <laughs> You know, so uh, anyway, uh, back to where we're at. So this you'll be working with a team and then eventually uh, put together with another team to plant a church. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And now fundraising. That's a lot of fun, isn't it? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Now, I will say, I want to say to our listeners, if you once in a while you get a little skip in our conversation here, uh, we could not do this in the same room together. This, this is online because the distance and we want to get this done. So once in a while we got just a little bit of a skip in the audio here, but I don't think it's going to be very distracting. Um, tell us, I know you had to have an initial amount and then you have to raise monthly uh, income. So talk about that. Okay, so um, to move, they were wanting me to raise um, how they calculated it was around 41000 And so what that kind of covers is um, basically like my mission training before I go out. So my pre-field training, it, it covers uh, my language school. So whenever I get there, my language school is already paid for. Great. Um, yeah. And then it also gives me like down payment on apartment um, stuff like that, you know, like there's those deposits that you would give to somebody right. like the return on, uh-huh. uh, in Japan, you don't expect to, it to be returned. It's kind of like a gift to your landlord. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. It's weird. So oh. real thing there, but yeah. well, I know so, I, I've always heard that in, in Japan, that housing is real tight in the urban areas. So, yeah. so yeah. you'd say, well, here's a gift. I can see here's a gift because I want, I want a place to live. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And it's pretty small living too. So, but yeah. it, it'll be good. Uh, and then that's also just kind of for um, basically living on just in case like support raising drops off all of a sudden. And then I can just use some extra money from that to um, rebuild my, my, uh, my normal, monthly amount. Right. But, uh, so they, they want me to raise 4,000, um, as a single guy, uh, a month to live off of in Japan. Um, so I know apartment cost there is pretty high, you know, it's a city, so it's definitely not going to be cheap by any means. Um, but that and pretty much daily expenses is what that is, you know, like insurance and, and what, um, yeah. So how how have you done on the, the did you say 41,000? Is that what you need for yeah. the initial amount? Yeah. How are you doing with that? Uh so I only have 2,000 left to raise. Wow. <laughs> that We're is doing good. Now now when did you start raising? It was in June. Yes sir. That that is a a, a testament I, well first of all to the Lord for taking care of it. But oh, yeah. uh also uh to you as someone, because I've known guys who've really tried to raise funds to do, to go on mission and they've, it's taken them years to, to get to this point. And it says a lot about the people who know you too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I, great support system. And, and, uh, you know, you know, my grandparents, you've known them yeah. for a long time. Yes. Have, and so, <laughs> yeah, they know having, a lot of people. Yeah. Having family that's been in ministries has been a, a huge blessing, um, yeah. with, knowing people and getting those connections. Um, so but really, yeah, calling people and, and a lot of prayer, asking the Lord for, for help. Cause I don't know what I'm doing. I'll well, we got, we actually got a, a message through rock solid ministries from your grandmother about yeah. raising funds in Mississippi. And I, my suggestion was, because we, we have very few among Christian churches in the state of Mississippi 
And uh, my suggestion was that we we put something on the rock solid page for you, which we did last week. And oh. then that we do this interview. And I felt like that would get you out better than, mm-hmm. than the other thing. But it was your grandmother who made the contact uh, to, to our office, which would be my daughter, who shipped it on to me. And, <laughs> and uh, so we finally got in touch with you. I think it was a, a, a week or two before I was able to get, take the time to get with you. And, oh, yeah. and uh, now where are we at on the monthly support? So right now I'm only needing to raise around a thousand left. So wow! So you're you got about three thousand a month. Yes, sir. Dedicated. Yes, sir. Wow! Now is there? Um, so your home church, I'm guessing, is obviously and and behind all this. Yeah. So they, yeah, they they wanted to be twenty five percent of my monthly wow. giving. <laughs> they oh, they. Yeah, we've had a campaign for individuals to come on board and help support me too from our church, so that we could have a thousand from them coming to me, and wow. that's been all. That is that is fantastic. Sure. Uh, so, if someone, if a church or individual would like to talk, speak with you about uh, one-time gift or regular giving, how would they contact yeah. you? Um, so, I have an email. Uh, Cade.Bailey at Mudseed.Network. Um, so that would be a main way of contacting me. All right, let, um, let's, let's spell that out because I, I know sometimes online uh, okay. there's something lost translation. So just take the time and spell out the whole email address. C-A-D-E dot B-A-I-L-E-Y at M-U-S-T-A-R-D N-E-T-W-O-R-K. Whoa, I did that wrong, didn't I? All right, erase everything, listeners, and let's start all over. Uh, you're like you're a, doing that off the top of your head, and you're doing, I thought, boy, he's doing great. <laughs> I, I lost the spelling bee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. You, you think you got it? Let's try it again. So you spell my first name. C-A-D-E dot B-A-I-L-E-Y at M-U-S-T-A-R-D-S-E-E-D dot N-E-T-W-O-R-K. Wow. So, that is almost like spelling out my my email address at, at rocksolidministries.org. Everybody uh, always gives me a glazed look over when I say, well, if you want it, here it is. <laughs> yeah, that was, so that's that your email. Is there some other way they can they can make a connection with you? Is that the best way? Yeah, that would be the best way. Um, and email me. Uh, and then, honestly, my phone number, too, would be okay. great. So 318-402-600. Okay. I'm sorry some messages popping up on, on, on here. That's the, that's the problem when you do it online. Uh, yeah. Give us that phone number one more time. It's good repeat. Okay. 318-402-6202. Okay. And so, yeah, they could call me, uh, text me, or or email me, and then uh, so I send out monthly newsletters updating everybody what I'm doing in ministry, my progress on fundraising, when I'm going to be moving, everything uh, that's going on, and I I also give updates what Mustard Seed Network is up to in Japan, and since, so um, since we've connected, you put me on that list, and I, I have to say. That is a really good newsletter. Uh, one of the complaints that I had as a minister years ago, and I and I have heard from people, is we don't know what our missionaries are doing. We don't know what's going on. And so mm-hmm. when I was raising funds and doing new church work, I did a, a, a mail-out letter to every supporter every month, yeah. which is probably too much. I probably should have done it quarterly. But <laughs> I would go to visit these churches, and they would say, we know more about you than we know about missions we've supported for 20 years and they yeah. appreciated that and i know uh, that i appreciate it we my wife and i support several missions and we appreciate learning about it and and mm-hmm. knowing okay this is what's going on here's a person that was baptized into christ and and yeah. all right they've got a place to meet for their church services and uh, i want to i want to know if i'm going to get behind something i want to know and uh, yeah. i do want to say how much i appreciate what you've done there Yes, sir. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's such a good model. I know, I know I've heard of, of some missionaries that are not 
held accountable at all. And, and so, um, mustard seed network definitely wants to be accountable and in relationship with our supporters because they're, they're a part of the ministry just as much as we are, you know, um, because they're, they're helping us do it. (laughs) So, well, let me ask you, how's, how's, how's mom and dad and, and, and siblings feeling about you moving uh, around the world? Oh, you know, they're so excited to get me away, you know, (laughs) all the time. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, we always believed when our kids were growing up that that if God moved them around the world, it was his will. And we raised them to serve the Lord. And uh, and we have two in ministry and we've never uh, lived too close. Our closest one now is 70 miles and she works with us. But but uh, that's the closest we've been, uh, almost since they they all got married. So yeah, yeah, and that's kind of the mindset that my parents are having right now about me moving, and you know they're all excited for for the fact that God has called me to this, and and He's getting it done, you know, helping me to get there. But um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of sentimental moments whenever we're together. Right. <laughs> they're always always emotional about it. Well, so. knowing your family, they'll probably make an effort to come and be a part of the work at some point. And uh, also, I, I'm, I'm, how often will you have an opportunity to come home? Uh, well, home is going to be Japan. How long will we have an opportunity to make a, a trip back to the States? Back to the States, yeah. So I'll have um, PTO. I'll have paid time off uh, yeah. that I could take vacation over to the, the U.S. So probably it could be once a year you know, right. to visit. Um, but I know my, my full-time living and ministry will, will stay in Japan. Um, so it'll, it'll be, you know, you know, whatever works <laughs> out. Uh, uh, but I, I know my, my parents and, and brother and sister and all my family, you know, have plans to get passports and come visit me. So, right. yeah, that, it'll, be great. I think it'll be fun going back and forth, yeah. you know, so. How how long is the how long does it take to get from Louisiana to to do you do you fly into Tokyo? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, pretty much every international flight is to Tokyo. All right, but so uh, how long does it take? So I actually, whenever I flew there, I flew out of um, Kansas City to oh. Detroit, then to Japan. So that was a fourteen-hour flight. Uh, and so from Indiana, I would assume it'd be close to the same. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Mm, let's see. Um, you covered so the, everything really well. Yeah, I would say uh, just think about the ways um, that they could help with with the mission of Mustard Seed Network. Um, one would be prayer. Um, we need a lot of people coming on uh, to pray for for the ministry there, uh, the preparation of of people's hearts there to to receive the gospel. Um, number two, uh, supporting us through finances. Um, we uh, we raise a hundred percent of our funds to do what we're doing, um, and then also number three, inviting others in um, to be a part of of what we're doing. So sharing um, everything about Mustard Seed Network with others that that they can. So those would be the three ways I would ask for, for help from people. This, this might be, and we always ask, and I, I know I will when we're, when we're leaving, but I always ask people to share the podcast if it's, if it's uh, been encouraging to them. And I would mm-hmm. particularly ask our listeners today to, uh, if you know of congregations or individuals that might want to get behind this ministry, would you uh, just you can tap on the link on whatever uh, podcast engine you're listening to, and just email it to them or text it to them and say, "Hey, you want to you want to hear this young guy and hear what he's got to say and what he's going to do." And uh, let's get the word out and 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 let's get Kate out of the country. Let's let's just you know <laughs> let's just get him out of here. And uh, by March, that's your that's your goal. Is that right? Yeah, March. You're awful close to meeting that that goal. It I... looks like to me. So uh, let me ask this too. Uh, I'm guessing you're what, 22, 23? Yes, sir. Uh, 22. 20. Well, you are an amazing young man, Cade. And uh, I knew that when I visited with you at, at ICOM several years ago. 
And it's been so great to reconnect with you and, and have this time. And and uh, even though it's an audio podcast, you and I get to look at each other while we're doing this today. And and I've appreciated that. Uh, you come from an amazing family. Uh, I, I, I love them all. Uh, I've been trying to get with your grandfather to, to interview him uh, for some time. Maybe maybe this will prompt him to do this with me. Uh, I'm coming back through there. I think I'm coming through there going to South Texas for revivals in January. Maybe we can do something then but uh, or do it like this. But uh, I had the privilege of of being a surprise guest at his 50th anniversary in the ministry and preaching on Sunday morning there at your home church. And that was uh, that was quite a, a privilege and an honor for me. And it's been an honor to know your family and now to know you and to be praying for you. Uh, Cade, we will be doing that and uh, praying for the whole family because I know it's it, it's going to be difficult. Uh, yes, sir. To see you go, and and uh, but God's got something wonderful ahead, and yes, I sir. I just believe that uh, until the Lord returns, He's going to use you in a in a powerful way, and yes, and uh, I just appreciate your your view of the gospel and sharing the gospel, the good news from the time you were in school to now. So, thank you for coming on and being with me today. Good me, Mister. I appreciate it. So. All right. Well, <laughs> God bless, and we'll see you later. This concludes another Frontline Servants program. Keep listening for more programs like this as well as our Just Preaching and Just Music programs. And would you do something for us listeners? If this program has been an encouragement to you, tap the like and follow buttons, share it with your friends and co-workers in Christ, leave a comment, rate the program, and maybe even share the link on your social media site. We would certainly appreciate that. Until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.